Yep, it's the Jeremy Webisodes podcast. My my weekly tribute to Ryan's dad. All right. right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Jeremy Webisodes podcast. This webisode was recorded September 16th, and I am once again joined in the studio by my good friends Josh McGinty and Ryan Hatch. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. How are you, sir? Very well, thank you. How are you? How about you? Bloated. Uh, you're what? Bloated? I'm a little bloated. We had some Chinese tonight. Full of MSG. Lots of it. They're delicious though. I love Chinese food. Like if I don't ever, if I don't know what I'm in the mood for, I'm in the mood for Chinese food. I'd pick Chinese food on a jump ball over pizza any day. Oh God. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I'm kind of over pizza. Me too. So much pizza. I think, and once you get kids too, it's yeah. like you eat so much pizza. I'm not. I'm not over pizza. Yeah, because you don't. I don't. I don't eat it. I don't right. eat it that often. Right. It's still a treat for you. It's wonderful. Like we eat it cold for breakfast. It's always like in the fridge from like four nights right. ago. We it's have all- them in the freezer. Like we'll we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll if they don't make if we don't consume it out of the refrigerator, we'll foil it up and throw it in the freezer. Yeah. It's like let it go. We'll chop up uh, the last two pieces of pepperoni, throw it on a salad. Yeah, to right. change it up. Wow, that doesn't sound like a terrible idea. A little ranch. Think That's about actually it. A pretty good idea. Pizza salad. That sounds like something they do in Pittsburgh. Yeah. No, they don't. <laughs> well, <laughs> only they, if they put fries in. It. Yeah, big the, handful and, of French uh, fries, handful like of a fries. chopped up ribeye. No, that's a salad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're here, and yes, ladies and gentlemen, in case you were wondering, the lava lamp is, in fact, burning brightly in the studio as a beacon for all the lost souls in the world. May they find their way home. And we have found our way into a very, very special bottle this evening. Um, This was sent to me. This is another listener recommendation. It's called Arcola Whiskey, A-R-C-O-L-A Whiskey, The Wyoming Spirit. And this is manufactured in Wyoming. And that's all I'm going to give you about it right now. Do you have anything to say about it before I even crack the bottle? Well, it looks very thin. It looks very, um, like, it looks like formaldehyde. The color is what yeah. you're referring to, Yeah, right? yellow, yellowish brown, very light. Like a hay color as opposed to, like, a dark amber or a caramel color that you're used to out of a whiskey. Right. Right? It's very, very see-through. I mean, it's it's watery kind of uh, corn color. I would say I would say in the industry it's referred to as as hay color, um, and that will speak to the amount of time it's been in the barrel. It it obviously ha- hasn't been that awfully long in the barrel, and that's that's why it's not as dark. So the so longer in the barrel, the darker the, darker, the note. The darker the, darker the, the color, color and the more notes of flavor that it'll pull from the oak too. So and let's uh, crack it. Apparently, sweeter the juice. Right, the darker the berry. Oh, that was a nice little pull. That was a nice little pull. Now, of course, on live podcast, we didn't put any of our glasses to Jeremy, so we have to now push them. This is the part where I have to try to get my... One for you. That looks like two for me. Yeah. Two for you, Josh. (laughs) 
So, right. Before you even crack the bottle, you notice that the color is unlike most colors on a whiskey you've ever seen before. Yeah, it's the lightest I've ever seen. And it's referred to on the bottle as a whiskey. Okay. It looks there's, like a scotch. There's another. There's it looks, no other. Uh, yeah, it's it's not a it's not a bourbon. It's not a scotch. It's 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 just a whiskey. Well, the first the the smell tastes like um Everclear. It's moonshiny. Moonshiny. Yeah. And that's 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 that's, that's you know, youth also. Yeah, isn't that's it? youth. That's what that is. That's that's the pure alcohol taste. There's some nice oak taste in there though. Some really yummy uh, burnt mm. sugar. Pine, yeah. What's that middle one? There's like this little like orange, like orange, something citrus, something citrusy. So the nose on it is very moonshiny. Yeah, yeah. The nose is like right out of the still. It smells, you know, it smells like it's bright, very. By the way, that's a love hate smell. You can smell smell the metal a little bit from the still, the copper. Which is it is a love hate smell. I love it because as a distiller, like that's what it smells like coming right out of the still. It's definitely mellowed a little bit from you know, now that you say right out of the still. I've had right out of the still, and it's it's definitely smoother than that. It's, right, it's well, it's definitely a picked bit. up some age. It's definitely picked up smoke. Just uh, in the, just in the grand scheme uh, of things, not uh, that I, much. I think I feel like a little almost like sugar cane. It's got like a little bit of that in there. It is sweet. I mean, it's, it's got a great sweetness. Now let's let's start. Let's talk about it a little further. Off the bottle, what am I getting here? It's handcrafted in direct. Fired pot stills, so we're gonna have to talk about that. It also says heart cuts on on the label, which we'll we'll talk about. Um, and then let me read let me read a little something off here. Your whiskey is handmade in the bygone town of Arcola, Wyoming. Um, this is what they call a pre-prohibition style whiskey, which I have a theory on. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I think pre-prohibition, uh, I think the standards were a little looser for what could be what. And it, once people got it taken away when they wanted it back, I feel like they wanted things to a higher level. I don't know. Just a theory. So- well, I will tell you that before prohibition, pre-prohibition, there were far more distilleries throughout mm. the United States than there are even now. Okay. We never got back to the point that we were after Prohibition. Um, it used to literally be like, you know, every town had a, a distillery and you and you you sourced from your local, you know, distillery. Um, then, the you know, uh, the 20s and, after you know, the, um, the Industrial Revolution and things kind of got a lot more centralized and corporatized. Um, and so the kind of like the local craft distillery went away. Um, but, uh, you know, my point being pre, pre prohibition, there was, there was distilleries on like on every corner, it, it, you know, at least one per town and, um, and the standards, yeah, were, were, were a little loose. It wasn't until after prohibition that they defined the yeah. rules of what it takes to be a bourbon, you know, what it takes to be this and that. They started to kind of put more parameters on it because people were selling rot gut and putting, you know, all sorts of uh, embalming fluid and yeah. all sorts of stuff in their liquor and selling it to you. And so they had to put some kind of standard on I'm it. I'm pretty sure during prohibition, you drink maraschino cherries and be quite happy with it. Right, yeah. right. You would you know what I mean? like, get your hands on. Yeah, anything available right. would work. Right. 
so pre pre prohibition style, you know, I mean, again, like I've always said, it's all marketing, right? On some level, it's all marketing. So, you know, that's a kind of an ambiguous term. I'm not exactly sure what pre prohibition style means. Yeah. What does pre gone town mean? Well, I'll tell you, but we're we're gonna get into that. Let, let's talk a little bit more about um about this because we just tasted it. So, we tasted some burnt sugar. What does pre gone town mean? What do you mean? So I'm just kidding. What? A bygone. Oh, but is it bygone, bygone railroad town? Oh, so I didn't even get that right. No. Oh. And 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 Arcola. Uh, well, so, so if you, when you ask the question, Arcola is literally a town in Wyoming. There was a railroad, Burlington Cheyenne Rail Line, that uh. Ran from uh, Sterling, Colorado to Cheyenne, Wyoming, and the the very last stop was Arcola, Wyoming. Um, Cheyenne and uh, Arcola is near Cheyenne. It's in Laramie. I think I would like to be from Laramie. Then I could yeah. be Jeremy from Laramie. I think it'd be rad. I mean, it'd so, be pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> You've met Jeremy from Laramie. Have you met my buddy Jeremy from Laramie? You got to do all three syllables. Too. Oh, is he from Laramie? No, he's from Dallas. Yeah, Jeremy yeah. from Dallas. So it's from like Lagoon Niguel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was a railway. The, the, the There's an Colorado Amtrak. to Cheyenne, Wyoming, and ended in Arcola. It is a defunct railroad town. There, it's no longer there. It's a ghost town now. There's literally. I, I looked. I saw pictures of it today. There's like a couple of of skeletal boxcars, and that's it. I mean, there's there's nothing left in that town. Um, so this is an homage to the the old railroad days. In fact, on the 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 label is is a train. Um, and so, uh, but anyway, back to the the bottle. We were picking up uh, sugary notes. Let's let's read it here. Distinctive. Notes of warm caramel. I mean, they all say that, don't they? They all say caramel. They all say caramel because that's a that's a that's a that's an easy one to pull from. They, you know, oak does that. So, uh, warm notes of caramel, peach. I yeah. gave a fruit. Yeah, you I, yeah. Do a fruit. I was yeah. off though. I said so, orange. I mean, generally they all do that. Caramel, a fruit, and then and vanilla is another one yeah. they always so. So this is, is caramel, peach, vanilla, and grain. You definitely get the grain because of the grain of alcohol. It. Well, you know, just in yeah. general, you know, um, you get the grain flavor. And so uh, I, the guy who sent me this actually requested that I talk about a couple of the points on the bottle. First being um, direct fired. So a direct fired still. Back in the day, before they had steam and indirect heat, every still was direct fired. And just that literally over means a fire. You, you build a fire under your kettle and, and that's what you're using as your heat source frowned upon today because alcohol vapor is ex- extremely explosive. Yeah. The vapors of things are much more volatile than the liquid form. Gasoline, alcohol, yeah. in, the, in gasoline sure is flammable. Alcohol is flammable. The vapors of gasoline are far more volatile. Yeah. So and when you are distilling, you are you're vaporizing alcohol. That's the whole process. You're vapor it, it actually vaporizes before water. Yeah. So you're counting on it to to vaporize and then recondense, in, you know, in your con- condenser off your still, and and then you you co- recollect it. So you're producing alcohol vapor, which is something that we know is extremely volatile, and you're using flame to an do open it. fire. Not something that it's you don't do it anymore. Right. Can you ima- I mean, can you imagine being around that fire and like something like 
the hot dogs go awry and you yeah. have to kick over something and that thing just falls over. Well, no, no even if, no, what hot dogs? How did we just? <laughs> what are we doing now? He was a, having a snack. A yeah, that separate, was a weird, well, I was hungry, but a, a, a separate. I mean, if you knock over this kettle. All I was trying to do was give an example of you get distracted. Yeah, if it knocks over, if it knocks or, over, or if there's sc- just some escape of, yeah. if there's a a, a a pinhole or some sort of fissure or crack or some some part of the still isn't you know tight, and you have an escape of alcohol vapor and it in any way gets close to the flame and it doesn't have to get that close. So no lighting cigars. Yeah, you, you don't. I mean, it just. Direct fired still, when I see that on a bottle, my inclination is to, to doubt it in, in the modern world. I don't know how they're getting away with that. I know that traditionally stills were direct fired, mm-hmm. but to be able to be an operating distillery yeah. and to be able to, to be doing it with fire, like I don't know how you would ever get permitted to do that. So I would love to see their setup. I did as much research as I could on the distillery, and I never saw any pictures of their setup. But I will tell you this. They market themselves, and and it sounds plausible, that they are the United States' smallest distillery. And when I tell you this, you'll be pretty impressed. So this distillery uh, operates 100% with four 10-liter stills. That's it. 10 liters is 2.64 gallons. So they have four three-gallon stills. That's not a lot when you consider like, I mean, the still that we're looking at here is 350 gallons, and that's still pretty small. I mean, comparative to some, you know, the big boys, Maker's Mark. I mean, we're talking 1,000-gallon stills. I wonder if like when I was at uh, the Coors Brewery, they have their, you know, vats and everything, even where they're, you know, heating stuff, and it's – like the fires downstairs, there's an entire floor, and then the people are up here, or the, you know, steam and everything's coming out here. I wonder if it's because they can physically separate them. So the now, now that is something that's plausible. Yeah. Most modern stills are heated with steam. Yeah. Now, if you wanted to somehow have your water somewhere, and that was under direct fire. Yeah. And then the steam was still actually what was heating your mash tun or yeah. your or your still, then I could see that and then yeah. maybe you could still get away with calling it direct fired. Yeah. But I just well, don't that, see that there's that any... takes the direct away, I think. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. I don't know how they're I, I like the fact that it's on the bottle it, it, it baffles me. Did you look online? I, I looked oh. as far as I could online. I mean, that's what okay. I just said. I did as much research as I could, and I could find that they have they're operating on four ten liter stills, um, but no pictures and no real indication of how they were doing it with direct fire. So I'm a little suspicious of that. I got to be honest. Um, but anyway, it, it says it on the bottle. I, I just don't know how you would ever Does be. Does it have permitted. an electric heater underneath it? Is that direct? That's not um, fire. Well, electric okay. heater, like like a warm blanket, yeah. like an electric a, blanket. It's an electric blanket on. <laughs> they have a tea kettle. So the other thing that's on the label, it it, it says, heart cuts. Okay. Don't we always drink hard cuts? Well, that's the other thing is the majority of of what you're drinking all the time is hard cuts. A, a distiller. So I'm gonna get here's another quick little lesson, and, and we have to do this because we've never talked about it before. The process of distilling. Okay. What you're trying to do is separate meth methanol from water. Well, you're trying to uh, you're trying to separate alcohol from water. There's two kinds of alcohol when you're distilling. Mm-hmm. 
There's methanol and ethanol, right? You don't want to drink methanol. Me- so I, you can think like you don't want to get methy. Yeah. Or you know, you try to come up with some little way to remember like methanol is the is not It's going to get methy in it's here. It's going to get methy. So the so the, when when you are are uh fermenting, at the end of the fermentation process, what's left in there is is water and alcohol and and whatever you you pulled your sugar out of. You put that entire thing in your still and then you start to boil it because what you're doing in distillation is you're separating things at different temperatures. They, it, when you boil, the very, very first thing that comes off is the methanol, which you don't want. And a lot of times you'll, you'll hear people say, oh, you don't want to drink moonshine or you can go blind from drinking moon, moonshine. And that's what they're talking about methanol. Methanol is referred to sometimes as wood alcohol and it can make you go blind. You don't want to drink it. It's like you don't want to drink rubbing alcohol. You don't want to drink nail polish remover. Well, there's been a couple nights. <laughs> well, you there's thought been about nothing it. left in that cabinet. Who was it? There was a very famous case of a uh, uh, Kitty Dukakis. <laughs> Kitty Dukakis was a uh, was a was an alcoholic, and they locked her in the bathroom, and she drank rubbing uh, finger uh, nail polish remover. Jeez, not a good move. Don't do it. Um, okay, so you, you put your mash in the, in the still, you start to boil it. The very, very thing that comes off is methanol. When you're distilling, it's going to break into three parts. Generally, the heads, the, the hearts, and the tails. The heads is the methanol. So you, you dump all that. Generally, the rule is anything under 170 degrees that comes off your still is undrinkable. It's going to be methanol. Um, another rule of thumb is for every five gallons, you pour out four ounces, or you can just do an ounce a gallon. Just know that the first ounce that comes off every gallon of whatever you're distilling, you don't want to drink it. So you pour it out. All right. So that's the heads is, is the, the, the methanol that kind of like the, those, um, origin oils, stuff that you don't want. Grossness. The grossness stuff that makes you go blind. Then the art comes in to noticing as as that as, as your stills running and the fluids dripping out you start to notice when the flavor starts to change and it's it's really smell i mean the original stuff that's coming out of your still smells like nail polish remover smells like uh like uh acetone when that smell starts to go away that's when you're getting into the hearts so the hearts contain the bulk of the ethanol along with a lot of the flavors and the aromas that define the spirit. So, like, again, what I'm saying is the majority of the spirits that you're drinking, I mean, that's what they want to bottle is the hearts. You can't really drink the heads, um, and you and you don't really want to drink the tails because it, it, they don't taste good either. So in the distillation process, you start to boil it, the methanol comes out, then the ethanol starts to come out, and when you're in the pure ethanol, that's the heart of the run, and then as that starts to dissipate and as your temperatures start to get higher, you start to get into the tails and that's when you make another cut. So generally when you're distilling and you hear people talk about making distiller's cuts, those are the three cuts. The head cut after the, after the methanol has done its run, generally around 170 degrees. You make your first cut, then you're in the hearts and you run that till up into, into the 190s. Um, sometimes as far as 210, and then you make your, your, your last cut and, and, and your hearts. 
the heads and the tails are oftentimes not consumed. Scotch, a lot of times, will add the heads and the tails back to the ferment. Um, mescal and scotch will sometimes let the tails run a little further into their hearts cut because they can develop some smokiness out of that. So you'll you'll see mescal and scotch distillers letting the hearts run a little bit into the uh, into the tails, whereas bourbon distillers will pull a little bit of the heads into their distillate because some of those those funky flavors with age in in the oak change and become um, very distinctive kind of characteristic flavors of bourbon. So bourbon will oftentimes draw a little bit of the heads, whereas mescal and, and, uh, and scotch will take a little bit of the tails. And that's that. That's the lesson on distillation. Um, direct fired stills, little bit dubious, not exactly sure how, they, how they're pulling that off. And as far as hearts go, I mean, we're pretty much always drinking hearts. Um, but as far as the actual product let me, let itself me have, let goes, me have another bit of I heart. like it. I think uh, it's good. It's very good. Let's, let's have a heart to heart. That's a lot of heart. That's <laughs> you a know, big heart. You've got a lot of heart, Jer. One of the things that when I started falling in love with uh, with booze, you know, and really the whole process was in West Virginia drinking moonshine, and then learning about the process and doing distillation myself. You end up drinking a lot of very new liquor. So, like, I like it, and I like that taste. I like the aspect of of. Uh, it's it's it would I'm not I'm I'm not gonna not drink it. Um, I think it has a place, but it's not my preferred. Like I I, I need something a little a, a little, little more ca- age, a little calmer, um, a little more. This is a rambunctious kind of youthful. Yeah. Well, I it need, it it literally tastes like moonshine with a kick of whiskey. It well, that, that is exactly what it tastes like. Yeah. It's moonshine. It's like a moonshine whiskey blend. Right. And you could never ever put this with. Any mix. I wouldn't want to. No, I wouldn't want to mix it because, yeah, that the shiny flavor would would ring through and it wouldn't you, taste good. First of all, like this with like Coke would be like a scene. No, you know, I agree. Moonshine and Coke does not taste good. No, because of those those like the metallic notes, um, it's too strong. If if you, you either got to drink moonshine and love the flavor or, or the corn. What I like about this is that you definitely get some of the so. It is a bourbon mash. They're not calling it a bourbon because it's not old enough. It hasn't aged long enough to be a bourbon. But it is a. They're saying it, it does come from a bourbon mash. And I'm definitely that the sweetness that that that's all corn. Yeah. So I'm definitely tasting the corn. And what I like about the newness of it is that you do get to taste the grain that it's that's coming from. Yeah. Um. And I guarantee you, they're doing small barrels because if they're only producing. You know, uh, let's it, so they have a two point six four gallon still. They're getting a a gallon out, or maybe a gallon and a half of usable liquor out of each distillation. So put this uh, to, to our listeners: like we have a bottle. Is that a seven fifty? Yeah. Right. How many bottles are they making a year? Right. It's extremely small and very hard to find. I mean, in fact, I could only source one place online where you could buy it because they, they, they just can't. But the sheer size of their stills and their facility, they cannot be producing that awfully much. I mean, to fill a 55-gallon barrel would be 
I mean, almost that would take forever. So that's why I think they've got to be using small. In fact, I've, uh, online I did see pictures of them with small barrels. Um, because here's the other thing, folks: you're not only running a distillation one time and then yeah. using that. Generally, whiskey is distilled three times. So you take your your uh, your mash and you distill that. And you have after that what's it's called a stripping run. You do a stripping run, and that's literally just to kind of strip all the water out of it. You do Ryan's a st- done a stripping run. Yeah. Uh, streaking, streaking, oh, streaking. streaking. That's Sorry, yeah. a little bit different. Yeah, I was drunk though. He was, and he had been drinking moonshine. <laughs> <laughs> so you do a stripping run, and then generally you'll take two stripping runs and combine them to get a volume, and then you put that back in your still, and then you distill that. Um, and at that point, you're starting to get, you know, above 80, 85 proof. Every distillation, you, you go up in proof because you're pulling more and more water out. So at the second distillation, by that point, you're over 80. Um, and then if you go again, then you're, you're getting into the 100 proof stuff. So uh, anything over 100 proof is is one like 100% has been distilled three three times. Um I would say that this has likely only been distilled twice, if I had to guess. Uh, but I don't know, and it doesn't say it on the bottle. What's the proof? 80 proof. And I looked online. It's about a $90 bottle. Mm. So thank you yeah. to our masked listener for sending it in. And Jeremy's drinking right out of the bottle. Oops, I didn't mean to. <laughs> I guess he thinks it's pretty good. This is pretty interesting. I tried to look up. I tried to look up more about Arcola, Wyoming, and I couldn't really find a whole lot about uh, Arcola, Wyoming. But there is an Arcola, West Virginia, and it is a uh, unincorporated community and coal town in Webster County, West Virginia. And the name Arcola, our coal, was chosen by mining officials back when they named the town. Well, I was that was actually a question, Jeremy. I was going to ask is why was this the last stop? Well, in you know, Wyoming, I don't know. I don't know why it was the last stop. I do know that it was uh, the, the the railroad operated up until the seventies. They just ran out of train, and they ran just stopped. Of, yeah, they well, stopped doing it. I mean, it. in the original days, it was probably like this gets us so far out. And then, you know, it was it was dangerous to make the next. The next was uninhabited territory. You know, right. the next hundred miles was. I mean, look out. Yeah. I mean, Laramie, Wyoming. Have you ever been there? I mean, you go 10 miles in any direction. You're in wilderness. Yeah. I mean, I've only been there once. But uh, it's uh, I remember it Were you 10, as being 10 a, miles I mean, outside of town. Yeah, I've never. Well. Well, How it, far was the police station? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so when when they finally pulled the train tracks up in the seventies, literally everything along the train route died. Those towns, because there's nothing out there. There's no reason right. to be out there. So uh, when they when they when they pulled up the train tracks, they Arcola died, and all the other towns down that line died. It, I, I think it said something. There's another town called Carpenter, which was the second to the last stop, and there's still 500 people that live in Carpenter, Wyoming. So. Well, you're not end of the line. Yeah, here's to you guys for keeping it alive. Where's it brewed now or distilled now? Since it's uh, well, obviously, right? Because it's it's called Arcola, but it's not being made no. in Arcola. Uh, Carpenter, 
Carpenter. Whoa, wow. Oops. Carpenter, Wyoming. <laughs> so one Put of the 500 anywhere. people in Carpenter, Wyoming is making this stuff. That's pretty cool. Seriously, probably like everyone there works for the plant. Mm-hmm. Makes sense why it's such a small distillery. I mean, it's in a well, town right. of 500 people. What if you're like the guy that like doesn't like it? <laughs> like it's at like, like every dinner, like Ryan. Yeah. You know what? Can I have like, you know, milk? How like, about, no. How about we don't have whiskey tonight? <laughs> I like Do they the, even sell any other whiskey or and drink your whiskey, like, boy. Just drink it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like it. Drink it. <laughs> Can I have? You love nothing and like it. <laughs> I feel like a like a mint julep. Yeah. Like no. <laughs> I want like a vodka tonic. Yeah. <laughs> like you just hear a uh, a dish fall off the counter. <laughs> Car wreck outside. <laughs> Wait, did he just? <laughs> I think it's super easy drinking. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love the bottle. I like the uh, I like the train. Um, the train, of course, infers to the route or route. Are you a route or route guy? By the way, I think it's kind of like tomato tomato. But what do you say? I say route. No, I don't know. I say route. I don't know what I say. I never really say that word. I mean, what am I, British? You should say route or route at least twice a month. How I mean, often do I ever talking about my route to some place or my which, route? Which way, by what means did we uh, get to Joss's house? Circuitously. Car. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I which, don't know. That's interesting. Which route did we take? I think maybe depending What's on... What's the like- fastest route to Mammoth? What's the fastest route... To Joss's house. To my house. Yeah. It's a very interchangeable word. I'm, in fact, I'm very, I'm unclear which one I use. Email us. What do you guys yeah, pick? Do you I'd love, I'd love to see the vote of route to root. Because why don't you put a little, uh, little voting and it's, uh, thing? And it's not tomato, tomato. Tomato is Nobody so 1800s. No one says tomato. Right. Nobody says tomato. In in America, no one says tomato. I. I, I it's not close. I don't route think I've really ever heard anybody say tomato. Now, my sister says Basel. It really freaks oh, me out. Oh, don't do that. You know what else she says? Basel. Yeah. She says Basel. You know what else she says? Catsup. Oh, oh it's the, I, I don't get it. There. What is the one brand? There's one brand that uses the K. Yeah, g- great. You... Love like Heinz, and it's not Heinz. Who is it? No, like, I forget. Hunts. It's a I think it is Hunts. Hunts catsup. So annoying. It's so annoying. It's ketchup. It's I mean, can we just say, call it ketchup? Please? I feel people that say things like that are just doing it to be like honorable. Yeah, right. Go right? against the grain. Yeah. Holier than thou. Yeah, you don't say cats up. And you definitely you don't. Take s- a, you had to take a moment to think about thinking to say cats up. Right. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just a marketing thing. So, that, hey, I, I caught someone's eye away from Heinz. I had a Spanish teacher that said sherbet. Sherbet? Do you like rainbow sherbet? No. no it's sherbet. Yeah, it's sherbet. But sherbet. actually, I think it's actually spelled sherbet. No, you mean sorbet? I, you know, it like freaks me out. It's so weird. There's a big difference between sorbet and sherbet. Uh, would you ever go to like like a Burger King and say, I have a Whopper, hold the tomato? Yeah. I mean, like, who would ever say Maybe that? Maybe you should. Yeah. <laughs> what I would think... they do? What would like a 16 year old do if he said, Spit hold the tomato? <laughs> I would bet 
if you had people vote in, it'd be very close from route to route. All right, ladies and I'm gentlemen. I'm a root guy. I think Websworldwide.com. Go there. You can contact us for, through that page and let us know what you say. I think I can actually even do a vote thing. Yeah. You should be able to. Can you do it on Facebook? Probably. Well, we can definitely do it on Facebook. Just When we post the show, we just say, do you say route or root? But how do you say that in type? Versus like out loud. I think it's it's just kind of a different tense. Yeah, I don't know how you say it that way, but it's like maybe not a different tense isn't the right word, but I definitely say both. Right. How on the if if we want them to go to Facebook to vote on whether or not they say route or route, it's how a, are we going to know whether spelling. or not they say, it's the same spelling? Yeah. Here, here's my here's my. If you say root, spell it like the tree. There you go. And if you say route, spell it the actual R O U T. And go to the Facebook Jeremy Webisodes Podcast Facebook page and vote and let us know whether or not you say route or route. Here's my argument for route. Is it route sixty six or route sixty six? Well, it's definitely not route sixty six. Yeah. But I feel like maybe there sometimes I say route. Uh-huh. And it's, sometimes I say route. I'll say it like to me the route. Is of a, all evil. The root, yes. It's not it, the route of all evil. No. Oh, no, but, that's well, a different. root that's is different. our O-O-T. Oh, 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 yeah, sorry. And, I, you know, I mean, it, the uh, the root is kind of like, I want to get from Los Angeles to Nashville. Like, how can I go? That's a that's a long trek. The route, it to me, is much shorter turn, like, more local piece. So I would, could say, you know, what, <laughs> what route are we taking to Nash, you know, are we going through Las Vegas or? And what El route Paso? am I taking from the deli section yeah. to the beer? Yeah, exactly. What route am I taking to get to Joss's house? Right now, when a team beats each other by a lot of points, that's a route. But I think again, that's yeah. a different spelling. Oh, is that another? Is that a third spelling? Of well, it's route? not a route. You don't root. Yeah, well, you, root. you could. Yeah, it could be a rooting. I rooted those. people. You don't route someone on. You root someone on. Yeah. But now we're getting into many different Completely spells. different things. I think it's cool that we're talking about roots and we're and trains. Right? Whiskey. And whiskey. And I think we just should keep the whole train thing going. You know, because trains have like a whole people are into trains. Um I don't know what it is. It, it, but you know, the the clickety clack of the tracks. There's something about trains that, that kind of resonate with everybody. And then there's some people that are like super into trains. Did you know that? I, I did a little research today and I found that people that work on trains talk about people that are super enthusiastic about trains because there's these groups of people that will come out just to watch trains drive by. Yeah. And or like ride a specific one. Yeah, but I'm not even talking about like any kind of historic trains. And I mean, yeah, that. But yeah. also some people are just into see like the Amtrak, like Surfliner go by. They're just really into trains. Hmm. And in the industry, they have a name. Because because and <laughs> I will tell you that there's some, an industry of train watching. There's an industry of people that work on trains. Well, right. And people but, that work on trains are aware that there are people that line up just to watch them drive by because they'll go through certain towns that have a high percentage of these people that are big train fans. And they're, every time they go by, they get, people got lounge chairs and shit set up in their front yard just to see the Amtrak go by. 
and there's a term for them. Trainophile? Trainophiles. Oh, train really? spotters. Train spotters. Gunzels. Wow. Really? Which is an Australian word. I guess yeah. it's really big in Australia. Rail fan as one word though, rail fan. And then but the big one is they're called foamers. <laughs> because people they get so excited when they see a train they foam at the mouth but also and here's the thing this is a real thing you can google it there are people that are so into seeing trains that they masturbate oh. and so there's people that work on the trains that know okay we're gonna go by this certain part of this town I guarantee this guy is gonna be in this bush and there's people that are so into just seeing trains go by that they call that they masturbate to the train. Maybe There's that's people that the, masturbate to trains driving by. Maybe that's the only place they had a minute alone, and the train showed up. Well, no, because they're always there, and like and trains are like run by the book, and they're referred to as foamers. Did you even know that was a thing? No, it is. Yeah. I wish I never knew it was a thing. It's, uh, it, it's a thing so much so that conductors know in certain areas that there's a lot of foamers and they'll like warn people on the train like, hey, you might want to pull your window shade down. We go through this one area. There's like some weird people. I have never heard in my life mm-hmm. of an Amtrak conductor or anyone of the like that has any chance of getting on a microphone mm-hmm. saying, listen, <laughs> <laughs> in 10 minutes, we're going through a town of foamers. Foam- By the way, let me give you a quick definition of a foamer. <laughs> Google it. You'd be surprised what pe- what people are into. I've driven. I've driven. I've been on a lot of trains. I've never gotten that over the mic. The, you never got the warning. Never got the warning. Okay, we're going through a heavy well, foamer area. <laughs> well, how about what's the draw the shades? The was it the Saturday after Fourth of July? The mugs away. Like what's I mean? That's like the the entire bar drinks and then BAs the train. Right. We have a local bar around here that every Fourth of July. Everybody goes there and spends the entire day getting hammered in the bar, and then every time the train goes by, they all go out and BA the train. For those of that don't know what a BA is, I don't know if that's a term we still use. Moon, pull your pants down and show them your butt. I mean, bare ass is what it stands for. <laughs> to put it delicately. But there'll be 200 people, you know, and, and by this time, you know, the drinks have been flowing there's uh, people without tops on. But uh, I don't know that those people are foamers. No? Those people are just like, they're down to go get drunk and like BA the train. Wait a minute. By definition, they're absolutely not. There's a difference between <laughs> sticking your ass out at a train. Right. And uh, yeah, but for the lack like... of a better word, rubbing one out okay, <laughs> but on I, a train Just to by. be clear. Yeah. You don't have to masturbate to trains to be, to a, be a, foamer. a foamer. If you're like just a super, super trainophile kind of nerd and you will go and spend your entire day just to watch trains go by, that's a foamer. But some of those people take it to an extreme. Is what extreme? A, a nerd is putting trains together like in their living room, like loving trains and building a 40-year-old man. And doing that. Like people buy train sets and put them together in exhaustive hours. That's a nerd. They paint their little, you know, the oh, trees oh my and the miniatures. God. And, and, right, and the, the the people in, like, the town, like, move. Yeah, the, like the place where you get, like. delivers milk. Right. The, the uh, what's it called? The place, like, the, the town garage. Right. And the place where you get the your beer. And right. The place you do the laundry. Right. They That's, got all that. They paint the. People to perfection. That. That's a nerd. 
There's a someone that pulls their percentage of pants those down. people though that get it all painted and looking nice, and then pull their pants down and go wild over the thing. <laughs> It seems very, very weird. It definitely does, but it's out there. So if you don't believe me, I'm just telling you, if if you're out there, ladies and gentlemen, and you're listening to the podcast, and you want to know more about foaming. No one's going to want to know (laughs) any more about foaming. It's the thing. Super, super trainophiles. So uh, anyway, I didn't know. You know, you, you the internet is scary in that if you look, you will find it, and you have to be really, really careful. You have to kind of want to find some things when once you start digging because you got to know that you're going to. I can't imagine you're more than two clicks from a real situation. <laughs> it, it it yeah no yeah I'm it typing starts train it, in the internet. Right, no, it starts giving you like you know red tube links and like videos. It's like I don't need to actually see it. I watched a couple. <laughs> it's a real thing. And I, it's not just men. I mean, I mean, you've got me at a point here where I just, every time you think you know everything, you, you, you clearly don't. You really don't. When you, you find a, I can't even imagine how heavy a train is. And it's going by and you think that's sexy. Now, I think it's, <laughs> it can be cool sometimes. But like erotic right i mean not there's people out there that find all sorts of bizarre stuff erotic man like have you ever seen the movie crash here we go no we're gonna are we gonna spiral into that no i'm just telling you i mean uh people you know you you just don't know you don't know but there's people out there that find things you would have no idea there's people that find laundry detergent super horny you have no idea it's weird. It's a weird, weird world. I'm not going to tell you what turns me on. I'll tell you that right now. I mean, and I don't want to know what turns you on, Joss. Okay? But I, but I will tell you that uh, Does there's some weird Popeye's stuff. Popeye's chicken? What? Does yours involve Popeye's chicken? I like Popeye's chicken. <laughs> I will tell you that last week before the podcast, we did have some Popeye's chicken. We did sample the chicken sandwich that broke the internet. And it was pretty damn good. Ladies it was delicious. And, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, it was pretty damn good. Yeah. The spicy was nice. Real nice. I mean, I'll put it up there with a Chick-fil-A. Jeremy foamed out. I fo- I'm a foamer for Popeye's chicken <laughs> oh, no, sandwiches. No? No? Okay, well, I'm just letting you know they're out there. But what was weird is, so I, I did, because, you know, I, the bottle has a train on it. I was like, okay, we'll talk about trains tonight. I started doing research about trains, and it wasn't a whole lot of clicks before the foamers popped up. And there was some weird stories about that. But then the majority of the other stories that I found about trains, and I wanted to find, like, cool, like, I don't know, you know, like the train jumped the gap and landed on the tracks or it's like some cool stuff, you know, Doesn't Casey happen. Jones. The majority of the train stories that I found were creepy. They were like ghost stories, yeah. um, you know, uh, train wrecks or like stuff. Um, and what one of the ones that I found that was um, it was repeated time and time again. I found it in, at least in three different places. I found it on American Rails. I found it on Ranker. I found it on uh, Listverse. And I also found it on Reddit. Hottrains.com. Yeah, hottrains.com. But there's this there, the, one of the creepy stories that I found uh, was weird. And it really creeped me out. And let me see if I can pull it up here. 
it is uh, so this is is a freight conductor. And let me let me give the guy credit because the story originally appeared on Reddit, and the guy's name, the original poster was JD four two eight JD, for whatever it's worth. Birth name. Says I am a freight conductor. We hit a young lady walking between the two main tracks at like five in the morning. That sucks. But the craziest part was that I thought we hit two different people. The woman that I saw was white, heavy set, and in her late forties. She was walking towards the train, leaning out in front of us. When myself and the brake man walked back to find the woman, what we did, what we found did not match what we had seen. She did not go under the train, so she was mostly in one piece. We found a Latina woman who was very thin. I later found out she was in her early 20s. Now, I thought I was crazy, but the brake man started asking me if we had hit two people and described the woman in her 40s the same as I had seen in her. Needless to say, we only hit one person. He and I are convinced this young girl was possessed by some evil entity. The face I saw before we hit her still pops into my mind occasionally. It was evil, twisted, and full of pain. So these two dudes on this train see this, like, heavy-set white, 40-year-old white woman walking. They they think they hit her. They're like, oh, crap. They go run to see the body, and it's this skinny, young Latina girl. And they both saw the white woman, and they both are curious, but there was no other body around, no other, you know. Very, very, and I saw that story repeated time and time again on the internet. Now, I know that certain things can kind of get that life on an internet where they, re- they repeat. Yeah. But anyway, I thought it was a very creepy story, and, and that was um, one of a multitude of kind of creepy stories that I found around trains. So as much as, like, train lore, I want it to be, like, cool, there's a lot of creepy stuff. Yeah. What's well, like being a pilot? You know, that what all they say they see in the air with, UFOs and and different things. I mean, train conductors see a lot of shit. You go, you travel 5,000 miles across the country. I mean, these guys have a life they're dedicated to it, kind of like a truck driver and a pilot. But but train conductors, they're going, you know, the guys that do the big rigs, if you will, whatever they're called, they're going 30 miles an hour across the country. Right. No, that's a really good point. They're seeing a lot. They're seeing a lot. And they have to be awake for it all. And it's not like, the big city for most of right. it. Right. They're out They're there. out in the middle of nowhere. That's a good point. They spend a lot, probably more time out in the middle of nowhere than, than most people. Yeah. So maybe they do, you know? I saw one. I was doing a little research, and I'm not going to find it because it, it's so far back. But one conductor said that he was going through the middle of the country, and he was pulling into a stop, and a, a guy came up what just was he, just as they were stopping. He said, hey, there's a big mess down the road. Be careful. They went down about 10 miles, and there was a dead body, and it looked exactly like the guy. I saw that same story, too. Yeah, right. Uh, a wow. train had hit a truck, and the the guy had come across somebody walking away from the accident and said, hey, wa- be careful. There's a big accident yeah. down the way. And they came up, and the guy that was in the truck looked exactly like the guy who had been walking away from the accident. I saw that story, yeah. too. Creepy. That's it- what I'm saying. And like, uh, I believe again. I'm sorry, I, I'm not ready to do it. But uh, there's the his two other guys in the train can confirm that story. Like that's the other thing. There's three a lot people of saw that guy right. come up to them. Wild. And I wonder it is. Wonder what it is around. You know, trains. If there's something about just because maybe they're old and like the the land that they're on is old. Maybe there's something about the age or or what hmm. it is about trains that kind of like attract this kind of phantasmagorical stuff but um i mean i think we've all heard of of ghost trains 
where there's like a phantom whistle, you know, that you hear. Um, I think there's a there's a pretty famous one that has something to do with like President Lincoln. Yeah, L- Lincoln Lincoln's uh, uh, what they called not a death train, a ghost train. Right, and it like, like so when presidents used to have ghost trains when they would die all the time. They 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 be put into the train and paraded around a lot of the country. Right, right. Before they go to Washington D.C. to be buried. Well, Lincoln's is really famous because it traveled from April 21st and arrived in Springfield, Illinois on May 3rd, traveling seven states and uh, through 440 communities. So what was it, though? He, 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 once he was assassinated, they loaded him on a train and they paraded him around pra- the United him States. Around. I, I believe Springfield is his hometown. The route, the route went, here we go, the route went through Baltimore, Philadelphia, Harrisburg, New York City, Albany, Buffalo, Cleveland, Columbus, Indianapolis, and Chicago before arriving at Springfield. So the funeral train was called Lincoln Special. Also, his son that died a few years earlier was dug up and put on the train with him so they could be buried again together. Interesting. I did not know that. Wow. That's kind of creepy in and of itself, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, it was a 13-day trip, and night and day, entire town's communities turned out to pay their respects to you know, to watch to watch this, the it reaches destination on May third, eighteen sixty five. That's what I was looking for. Hundreds have reported seeing the ghost train traveling through the countryside with the president's casket aboard. It's rumored that clocks and watches stop running when the train passes by. The air on the tracks becomes cool and sharp, while just off to the side, the air remains warm but still. Clouds cover the moon, and a ghostly headlight pierces the night. Suddenly, with a rush of wind, the train passes by noisily, as if running on a carpet. Noiselessly. So, so there's thousands of people that have seen this, and people now, this has become a thing on this route on the same time of the year. It and happens people, the same time every year. Oh, yeah. The people in oh, that whole trek from Pennsylvania, New York, Cleveland, whatever I said, they come out and list. Uh, they come out and look for the, the ghost train. And thousands of people say they see lights, they see... Uh, his coffin. It's creepy, dude. I'm not saying it's true, but if a lot of people say this, that's is, the this thing, a that, thing that's so compelling is when when you have so many people that have seen something happen. At some point, you start to kind of question, like, okay, what's what's going on here, right? I mean, what's your take on ghosts? Do you do you believe in? Ghosts? Oh, I don't totally believe in ghosts. I've got um, I got me and Lindsay have a ghost story. Let me hear it. Do you? I mean, well, before we get there, do you believe in ghosts? I mean, are you willing to believe that there is? Some, I mean, what's your take on it, Ryan? Yeah, I, I would think. Uh, I would think that's got to be plausible. Yeah, um, I'm just gonna give you my take on it real quick, and then I'd like to hear I, a ghost story. I, I don't know if it's just a visual anomaly in your eye or brain. I don't know if it's a real thing. It but, certainly could be. Yeah. And if it's a visual anomaly in your brain, then it's not a ghost. Yeah. But if there's – my whole take on I it is – I think people are seeing things. People see things, right? My my take is that, that it's the conservation of, of energy, that energy is not created or destroyed. And the human you know, soul or whatever you want to call it, our life force, our, our chi, is energy. So that when we, when we die, it carries on somehow. However that may be, I'm not exactly sure, right? Whether it goes to join some great energy in the sky, or if it continues to 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 move around the earth and and 
do weird shit or if you know what it does but i i don't think that when when the human life you know the, when the human body dies that all of our collective energy and all that that is our life force just stops to exist and so i think that it is plausible that maybe there are these like energies out there doing you know whatever it is reacting in whatever way they are and having an effect on the earth and maybe that's what ghosts are you know at least i'm willing to go that far yeah i'm not totally discounting that like it's you know there are there's no such thing as any of that yeah um and so something like a ghost train or something that's heavily involved in in the human memory somebody like president lincoln that had such a huge impact like obviously his life force or his energy whatever you want to call it is strong right and collectively there it's 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 plausible to me that there is a way that it carries on somehow i mean is that the is that just the people the storytelling i mean is that just like everybody's everybody in those little towns have told you know their grandparents told them the story their parents told them the story. The kids know the story. Everybody knows the story. And so they just go and everybody goes out there and sees it, you know, is reliving it. Maybe. Maybe they want it to – they yeah. will it into existence. Yeah. I mean, yeah. To, to finish Maybe it's it, part of the collective memory that's yeah. manifesting it, something like yeah. that. Yeah, but but that doesn't totally make it unreal. No. Yeah. Right. It's, it's a common – and I'll, I'll finish the Lincoln story. But I think it's a combination of a few things what you want to see, right? Yeah. The lore and the storytelling of generations. And then people have actually freaking seen it. Well, there's that, there, there, again, there's, there's, there's something that has to carry on once the, the, our, once we shuffle off this mortal coil, something carries on. Call it energy, call it electricity, call it a soul, call it whatever you call it, a ghost, call it a poltergeist, call it whatever you want. But I, I have to believe that there's more going on here than just like our animated bodies, that once we die that there's some – well, if for no other reason than we know that the, the human brain runs on electric impulses and electricity is energy and since energy is not created or destroyed, when we die, the electricity that's in our body has to go somewhere and photons – Photons are what makes up light and electricity. Photons can actually, like, they're, they're physical particles. You can weigh a photon. So the idea of photons being able to carry um, some sort of collective memory in, in them uh, is not outside the realm of possibility to me. So for light or energy or electricity to have memory, I'm willing to buy into that. Yeah. And if you want to call that a ghost... Then, uh, then I, then I might be willing to subscribe to your newsletter, Joss. So I have to give a credit. No, no, no. I want to hear your ghost. I, story. I have to give credit. This is Argavi Interest Blogspot where I got that story. Okay, it's not our story. And the most famous watch spot is in Albany, New York, on April twenty sixth and twenty seventh. They do it every year to watch the ghost train. That's cool. So I, Lindsay, and I were at our first um, condo in Ladera Ranch when we moved there. And we were in the kitchen um, after uh, only our first girl was born at this point, and we were having some discussion in the kitchen. And at the exact same time, we were talking like, "No, it's the peppers. No, it's you know." We we were going. It was a it was a back and forth quick dialect. 
we both stopped at the exact same time and looked at the stairs and we saw a man holding something walking up the stairs. You both saw a man. We stopped in dead, dead conversation. Like anything you want to make up, right? But like, you, I mean, you were scared. Obviously, if you saw some we random stopped man in, in your Yeah, house. we stopped in our tracks and we, we, we both felt the energy and it, we both said at the same time that was a guy walking up the stairs. And looked like he was. Wait, 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 wait! And it just got a little ethereal for me. You felt the energy, or you saw, saw a guy? No, we saw. We, like when I say we felt the energy, when we're we're picture us looking at each other in in a kitchen. The stairs. I mean, try to paint the picture. I'm looking at the stairs. Lindsay's looking at me. So the stairs are behind her, right? Okay. We're talking about whatever. But like very quick interaction, like this is that, that's then this, then that, then this, and we stopped at the exact same time. Both looked at the staircase at the exact same time. Like we stopped talking. Both looked at that. So she looked. She she felt turned around. Behind her. She turned around. Wow. And we both said, "What did you see?" It's like that was a man going up the stairs. It looked like he was like holding something. Okay, <laughs> and we freaked the yeah, f out. Exactly. Then what she, had me, the she had me. She had me look. I, she looked. Had me look under the beds in the closet behind the washing machine. That's wild. She'll tell you that. I mean, that happened. And um, wow, that's crazy. I never heard that story before. Scary. Yeah, we had another. One, we had another one in that same place. So there was clearly something going oh, on. Yeah. That and that's another thing I believe. I believe that there's certain whatever you want to call it, but there's places that have that that, that draw the energy to them. We had, we had, in the same place, we had two in that same place. We've had none in our house in six years, but that place, we had a second one. Um, we were in the middle of the night and she was feeding uh, Elle. And at the same time, we both looked behind us left and we thought it was Gam, my grandma Gam. Was watching us from the corner of the bed. We both said that's that, that's that's Gam. What, dude? Dude, dude I'm telling you, now, man. Now let me it, ask you this: Were you guys doing a lot of? No, no. Uh, Weird no. hallucinogenic. No, no hallucinogenic. Were you eating a lot of rye bread at the time? <laughs> no, no. So I've had a couple of those, man. I've had actually. I had. We had one in. Can I give one more? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. We had one in uh, college at Penn State in our fraternity where someone saw uh, about eight, uh, well, maybe not eight, four to five guys felt, thought they saw a guy jumping out the window. We found out a guy died in that room. Jumping out the window? We, we, ran, out of the, we ran out of that room, and no one talks about it. But I mean, how did the guy die jumping out the window? I don't know how he died, but it was if he died, died hanging himself, but you saw a guy jumping out the window, then that's just weird. It doesn't Everyone make... at the same time felt a guy left that room maybe, maybe that out was of that window jumping out of the window. Maybe, but who cares? We all felt it at the same yeah. freaking time. And you guys all stopped and looked at each other and like, whoa, that was. You guys see that? Sketchy. Dude, it was sketchy, and the weirdest thing about that one is. I, no one ever talked really about it after that night because you felt weird about it. Well, I will also say that I believe that there are certain people that are more kind of in tune, uh, more likely to see that kind of stuff than other people, what for whatever reason. Um, so and yeah, and then and people feel weird about it. You know, people are like, I mean, I, you can only imagine if if 
if there if there truly is you know uh, this are, are if there truly are ghosts or whatever you want to call them walking around and there are truly people that are more in tune clairvoyance or whatever you want to call them um on some level that's kind of probably got to suck it's kind of like the sixth sense like i see dead people i don't want to see dead people like i don't want to see ghosts Right. I don't want to see my grandma sitting on the corner of my bed. Hey, I loved my grandma, but if I saw her sitting there at the corner of the bed watching me, kind of freaked me out, man. I'd have a hard time. Well, it'll also depend what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, but so to, to, to... A little privacy. Yeah, a little privacy. For me, I'm in. What do you guys think? What I say you? I've given my three. Well, you've seen ghosts, so obviously you're a believer. I'm a huge believer. I, I gave you mine. I'm willing to think that it's plausible. Yeah. I think it's plausible. So, you know, there was we, – we did a, a podcast on the on the original Jeremy Webisodes podcast where we had a, a, right. a paranormal psychologist – what, a professional come in. Yeah. Um, That'd be fun to do again. Well, what say you, ladies and gentlemen? Once again, you know, you can find us on uh, websworldwide.com. Find us on Facebook, Instagram. Mm. Do you believe in ghosts? Uh, you have any cool ghost stories? Um, West Virginia is an old state. There's a lot of old, you know, it's out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, I've heard a lot of creepy stories come out of West Virginia. Back in the holler, old, you know, abandoned houses and... Um, I've experienced some kind of weird stuff uh, alone at night out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, so if you've got if you've got stories, let us let us hear. We'd love to we'd love to hear your story. I'm creeped out by it. I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. <laughs> and then you go on um, YouTube. There's some really dorky, lame ones, but there are some that are like uh, there's some real creepy ones. That's the thing. The majority of the stuff on YouTube is so like, of course, yeah. of course, it's, scary. It, I well, mean, not scary, so fake. Right. They're trying to make money, but you, if you, if you did the dive, there are some that are actual. Like, there's some really famous ghost pictures and ghost stories that seem like incredibly accurate. Like when there's when you see like thousands of people that saw it. Well, it's like aliens. Well, I mean, yeah. it's not like aliens. Yeah. I mean, ghosts and aliens UFOs. are two different things. But I'm saying when when you hear a lot of corroborating stories, right. it becomes a lot easier to believe, right? If if a lot of people see a ghost, then I'm willing to think, well, okay, something's going on. I don't know what it is, but obviously something's going on. The same thing with aliens. If a lot of people say, you know, we saw something, then I'm like, okay, well, then something happened. I'm not going to necessarily, like, I'm not going to call it an alien necessarily, but something. And that's what UFO means. It's unidentified. Right? Right. Yeah. I mean, on some level, that's what ghosts are. They're unidentified, you know? It's an it's a, it's a unidentified... Ghostly object. See? It's a UGO. I'm trying to look up. There is a very famous... Along the same lines that time travelers. Have you heard the story about the guy who they found at an airport with like money that wasn't from any country? He said he's from a country that didn't exist, and they put him in a hotel. They, they, he couldn't pass. Um, what's that called when you go go into a new country? 
he, he got detained customs, or... customs. Right, customs. Yeah. and they put him in a hotel room locked the doors sealed the windows and they they went the next day it was disappeared that's amazing. Scary well, story. Of now all you're time. not talking about like the Tom Hanks movie where the guy was like from Uzbekistan. No, and then the he no. came to Uzbekistan while he was in the airport and he couldn't get out anymore. No, there was no stands in it. He's friend of goat and all that. Friend yeah. of goat. No, I mean obviously that's the, this is something that we could talk about endlessly. Aliens, ghosts, flat Earth, flat Earth. I would love to get a paranormal guy back in. I think here. they're called parodontists. No, I think that's different. <laughs> I would love to get a paranormal dude in here again and do a whole episode on ghosts and aliens and Bigfoot and whatever the heck else we can come up with. Because I'm not sure about any of it. Yeah. I haven't I haven't drawn the line. Well, maybe I don't believe in Bigfoot. I don't know. I mean, Bigfoot's a tough one. I feel like we would have found him by now. Yeah. Right? Like Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, like those. I'm not nah, about all that. Ghosts and aliens. All right, I found it. Do you want to? Do you want me to try and do it? Yeah. Does this relate to this one? Can we tie this into what we're talking about? What is it again? When a mysterious man arrived at a Japanese airport from an unknown country. Yeah, yeah. Torrid mystery. The man who vanished as mysteriously as he came. The man said that his country had been in existence for a thousand years and was a little puzzled why his country was called Andorra on the map. It was 1954 when a smartly dressed man arrived at Haneda Airport in Tokyo, Japan. Much like other passengers, he made his way to customs. But whatever happened from this point onwards have left all puzzled and concerned. When questioned by the customs officers, the mysterious passenger said he was from Torrid, also referred to as Torrid Mystery. The man claimed it was the third time he was visiting Japan from his country, but to the surprise of officers, they couldn't find any country named Torrid. The primary language of the man, described as Caucasian-looking with a beard, was French. Officers were perplexed because they had never heard about such a country. The passport of the man was issued by the course of Torrid. The passport looked authentic, but the place was not recognized. The man was given a map and asked to point out his country. He immediately uh, pointed to the area occupied by the Principality of Andorra. Andorra is at the border of France and Spain. The man said that his country had been existing for a thousand years and was a little puzzled why it wasn't it like on the, the map. Is it the Basque region? Is that word? Yeah, it's like, the, is he just... Is he Basque? He was also carrying currencies of different countries, probably because he had made several business trips. The man shared other details like the company for which he was working and the hotel where he stayed. Officials find out that the company which he mentioned existed in Tokyo, but not in Torrid. Similarly, the hotel mentioned, uh, mentioned it did exist, but hotel employees informed them that no such booking was made. This prompted officers to take the man into custody for interrogation. Officers were suspicious that he might be some criminal. They put the mystery man in a nearby hotel while they conducted their investigation. Mystery man vanishes amid tight security. To ensure that the mystery man didn't escape, two guards were placed at the door. It, uh, but to no one's, but to everyone's surprise, the man vanished the next morning. Not only that, but all his personal documents had also disappeared. A search was launched to find the man, but in vain. The thing that was troubling investigating officers was that it was put in a room in a, up in a multi-story building with no balcony. How did he get out of there? Wow. Some this happened are, in 1954? Some people argued the mission was indeed from Torrid, but the country happens to be in another universe and somehow passed through a parallel dimension and ended up in Haneda Airport. 
Another theory is that the mystery man was a time traveler and had mistakenly landed at the airport. Above all this, there are people who claim, of course, that it's an elaborate internet hoax. I would go more with the multi-universe theory than the time travel theory, right? I agree. Sounds more plausible to me. Because let me tell you, there's something very, very, very strange about our universe. By the way, Google Man from Torrid. I mean, it's, it's, it's so easy to find. Interesting. Of course, it took me five minutes to find it, but... Very interesting. Yeah, there's there's something very interesting about our universe. All the forces in our universe mathematically make sense per our existence, right? Except gravity. And gravity is at a percentage of all the other physical forces in in the universe. So much so it's at a percentage of that it seems to be spread across multiple dimensions. Um, because if gravity was as strong as the rest of the forces in our universe, we, we wouldn't be able to move. So gravity is at a percentage of all the other forces in our universe. And and it's it seems to be the case that, that the reason is, is because there's multiple iterations of existence otherwise known as dimensions there's multiple dimensions and gravity is spread across all of those dimensions i want to know how the guy had a passport that looked normal aka from yeah it it looked official because he was from from another dimension so it, it was just yeah and it showed he was in japan before right but he wasn't stopped i mean i don't that's the thing it was it's, it's not a different time it's all happening at the same time. It's a different dimension. It's weird, man. Very weird. Yeah, gravity is 10 to the 40th times weaker than an electromagnetic force that holds atoms together. 10 to That's, the 40th times weaker than the other forces that are holding our right. universe as we know it together, essentially. Yeah, it's crazy. You and said, the did only you say way... one tenth of one fortieth? No, no, it's to the power. <laughs> ten, to the, power. ten to the fortieth power. So wow. ten with forty zeros behind yeah. it. Yeah. So a lot weaker, like a lot, which would which indicate almost that there's at least I would conjecture forty other universes, mm-hmm. forty other uh, not universes uh, dimensions. I think it's all theory at this point. Well, it's definitely it's theoretical the- theoretical physics, uh, which is you know black holes, dark matter. We're pretty sure it's there. We just can't like we're not exactly sure how to define it, right? This has been a quite quite a uh, journey. We've we've covered a lot of different topics here tonight. We yeah. have. I think I'm gonna blame the um, the moonshine. <laughs> well, you you did. Uh... You poured some glasses. Like, that wasn't a one finger, two finger. You believe in using all fingers. Yeah. While drinking. Yeah, I do. What yeah. What does a two finger pour mean? I mean, if you're going to go, go two, two fingers, you might as well go four fingers and a thumb. <laughs> I mean, that's five by my count. If you add them up, that's five fingers. Yeah, I'm all in. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> By two in the morning, you'll be all out. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it. I thought the Arcola was, was good. good. It's definitely, it drinks, def, it's not a bourbon. I mean, it doesn't drink like a bourbon, but um, 
But I would drink it. I mean, I, I have been, and I'm continuing I would to. Drink, I would love it. I would drink it. I mean, I've had a third of the bottle, so I would drink it. I would drink it. I'm going to continue to drink <laughs> it. Not your favorite spirit. No, no. I mean, I would I would drink it. I think it has its place. Um, I What's think, its place? Uh, I don't know. Um, in, your, in, your, in your liquor cabinet. Working at a sawmill in the 1800s. Oh, yeah. Pre-prohibition. Um, <laughs> Seriously. Right no, before you, could, you do put on a zoot suit. Yeah. I think you could have, uh, you know, at a, a barbecue where you're smoking, you know, some meats. I think you could have that. Uh, you know, it'd be a good just I think I don't think I'm going to make it too fancy. But, uh, Again, I don't think you could. I mean, yeah. I don't think you would want to. Yeah. You're not having this at a ball game. Right. Well, no. Um, I mean, maybe, but I don't think you need – it doesn't take a cocktail. Yeah. I think this is a great one to just drink by itself. I think that's the point. I think you, the newness and the grains taste and all of that is I, why you drink it this way. I got one. I think this is one a, a, a guy has when he's doing, like, construction work or something around the house. He wants a little nip or something. I feel it would go well – Sitting kind of on the carpentry station while he's doing a little hammer and nail, taking a little nip here, nip here. Then he puts a nail through his thumb. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna keep it and around. Then, I'm gonna keep it around for sure. I I see myself dipping back into this one. I'm, I feel myself dipping into this one uh, right now. Can you give me a little sip of that, Jared? Well, if nothing else, I will tell you that tonight has kind of piqued my interest in the the metaphysical and the the strange and ethereal kind of I, I, this topic of ghosts and aliens. I I wouldn't mind getting somebody in here that knows a little bit more about it, really, or has something more to say about it, because we don't know what the hell we're talking about. Right? <laughs> right, we're kind of going on the fly. I mean, let's do one with an expert. We want to hear the weird stories out here, um, ladies and gentlemen. I got to tell you, I'm intrigued. I find it extremely interesting, and I want to be a believer. It's like, what was the what was the X-Files, you know? I think it was called X-Files. I know, but what was their <laughs> – the, the motto for the X-Files was like – The be- truth is out there. Yeah. The truth is out there, and I want to hear it. So if you've got stories, we want to hear them. I've already, you, you know how to get a hold of us. Um, we want to hear your stories, ladies and gentlemen. I know that Coach Baseball is a believer in aliens and has had uh, his fair share of interaction, I believe. Probing? I think he's been probed. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure, but I know there's there's some stories invo- involving aliens and Coach Baseball. So maybe maybe we can get some of that, um, you know, and uh, and find out who's been probed and what that feels like. Wow. Well... I mean, we can uh, anyone that's willing to to give us that information is more than welcome on the show. It's not what I hear is it's not really the size of the probe, but the motion of the ocean. That's what I've heard. Relax, just go with it. This is gonna happen. That's what I hear. That it's like the it's what they say to you when they pick you up. Do you get like a like a gift bag afterwards? Yeah. Is there like a little right. you know? You got, like, you got like a like a two two beers, like a candy bar and robe and a bar of soap. A bar of soap. Right. Well, I think it's all really weird. Yeah. Um, I'd like to, you know, I'm worried about my drive home. I'm hoping that I don't run 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 up on a on a Sasquatch. Yeah. On my way up the Ortega. We Wh- did. We did. All of us. Maybe not Joss. Yeah, we did. Joss did go. Uh, we stayed at the most. 
haunted house in Austin. We did the hotel. most haunted hotel in Austin, yeah. the Driscoll Hotel, yeah, and we stayed in the Cattle Baron suite, which was like the Cattle Baron who owned the place. I will tell you, I got a weird vibe at that hotel. Yeah. Very weird. There was there's something going on there for sure. I don't know what. I never and saw like, anything, but yeah. I definitely heard stuff at that hotel, and I had an overall sense of like weirdness. Yeah, there was just like a energy or whatever of kind of like I don't know. You felt like you were being watched the whole time. The remember whole we time. remember we always had to pick who was going to get the ice. No one wanted to go down yeah. the hall to get the ice. No, it was weird. Down the hall was like where the mistress or wife of the cattle baron used to roam. You know, that's like the that was like the lore of that one. She'd arrange the flowers on the table in front of the elevator, and the people would like the elevator would stop and open up, and there she would be. Like it's craziness. The yeah, lighting was super weird oh, in that right, place. Right. It was dim. It yeah. was weird. I was glad to get out of there for sure. Yeah, that was a really fun two nights, and then like I can't Bye. wait to get back to the airport. I'm gonna go stay at the Marriott. Yeah. <laughs> I want a heavenly bed, yeah. <laughs> not a ghostly yeah. quarters. That's so funny. Sometimes you just want a heavenly bed. Yeah, not a ghostly bed. I don't want gray sheets. Yeah, I want white. <laughs> Sheets right. or red sheets, right? Heavenly shower head. <laughs> I want all of that sometimes, especially after I spend a couple of days with a ghost in my bedroom. Yeah, with me. I want the water to be cold and hot, it's exhausting. not just hot and clear. And clear. <laughs> all right, well, I think we've talked about exhausting, I think we've exhausted this uh, this podcast. I've, I've enjoyed it though, it was it's been weird. I hope that you guys get home safely. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, you be safe out there. Be careful. I mean, it's a weird world. There's ghosts. There's aliens. And uh, there's whiskey. There's whiskey and there's moonshine. And it just it, it it can really get into you. So be careful. And we'll look forward to seeing you right here next week on the Jeremy Webisodes podcast.